being present and in the moment means that I can hear, see, feel, address what's happening. I'm yes. not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live too far ahead, yeah. except if I'm making a plan. But yeah. if, I, if I'm focused on what's happening right now, I can make the best decision now and then allow things to move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. With me today, I have one of the greatest drummers in the game. Someone that I am a fan of. Someone that I'm really excited to talk to because we really haven't had any deep conversations. This is our first deep conversation. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Larnell Lewis. What's happening? How are you, my bro? <laughs> I'm well. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm very excited to be in Paris, France with you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you accepted my offer to go on a romantic vacation. That is why we're here. It's just you and me. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry that I brought a camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> you being the music, man. <laughs> so you just flew in today. Yes. Uh, you travel a lot, obviously, as be, uh, being the person that you are, drumming around the world, being drumming superstar. How do you center yourself as you travel? Mm, that's a great question. So there are a couple things that I do. Uh, first thing for travel, it's very, very important for my neck pillow to be with me. I also <laughs> love the neck pillow. But my setup is a little different. So I got a hoodie, got my neck pillow. So the vibe on the plane is, and it's for two reasons. One, because uh, it's very comfortable, but two, I just don't want no pictures. So normally <laughs> normally what I do is um, I got the hoodie on, I put the neck pillow over the hoodie, right? But then I flip the, the neck pillow around to the front. Oh. So now if I sleep forward, I got neck support, right? Dude, I'm going to try that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, because you know, all the time if I'm on the, 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 the plane, I'm thinking about, well, if I have it in the back, I'm trying to lean backwards, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But comfortably for me, at least, and like yeah. you know, head profile, all that stuff. Yeah, having the neck pillow in the front, I can lean to the left, to the right, forward. You know, and I don't have to worry about cutting off the airway. I don't have to worry about anything being wrong, and I feel good. Because you're a big technique guy. Oh man, yeah. I can already tell because right when we started getting your mic right, you were like, "Okay, am I good?" And I was like, "Oh, he's already doing technique. Mm -hmm. Technique is applied to everything in your life." Oh yeah, sleeping absolutely. on the plane technique applied. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's just about feeling good once I'm like finished with whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's number one. Number one, right? That's number one. Number yeah. two usually either happens before or afterwards. It's a little bit of centering about thinking about where I'm going, maybe thinking about the venue I'm going to. I'll actually grab some photos and just center my mind around that. Um, and another thing I love to do as well is just general meditation, just sitting still, some rain sounds, some visuals, anything I can do just to keep my mind, not necessarily blank, but just focused on calm. Mm. Yeah. Are you listening to rain sounds on the plane? Yeah. I actually did that on the way here. Noise canceling headphones? What have you got? Nothing crazy. No. Like, you know, some in-ear monitors just. Oh, you're doing in-ear monitors on the plane? Just depends, you know. Isn't that just, dangerous? Well, for me, at the very least, for when I need to listen to the rain sounds, just block it out. But I'm not sleeping, right? Right, right. Yeah. You're just zoning. Just zoning. The front neck pillow, the pillow goatee, pillow beard. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Yeah. See if it works. You know, it may not be for you, but yeah. if it works, then it's yours. Well, because you're also, you're a tall guy. 6'4". Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be, I mean, hopefully we, hopefully you get some business or something, but if not, with that much travel, I mean, I'm a, not a big guy. So, <laughs> and I still complain about the planes. I'm like, damn it. 
I call it the tall tax. Yeah. I pay it every day. <laughs> every day. And, um, you know, sometimes I get that kickback from it, but usually I'm just paying it out, you know, in, in the form of, for like example, on the way here. Yeah. Um, this uh this person asked me to grab one of their bags for them because that's that so tall. tall. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. Or trying to get on the plane, I got to duck so I don't hit my head. You know, all that kind of stuff. Tall tax. Tall tax. You just constantly. Oh yeah, tall, tall tax. tax. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, is part of your meditation, pro- and then you do it, of course, when you get to the hotel or when you get to you. You have this check in that we talked a little bit about. What oh, yeah. what what is this daily check in that you? Yeah. Do? So the daily check in or like declaration is really a reminder of a few things of, you know, me, what I can do, what I want to do, where I want to be, that I'm loved, that I am, I have integrity, that I can, you know, just really just a reminder of all the things that I want to make sure markers that I hit in the day. So if I didn't hit them earlier in the day the way I wanted to, one of the things is I can start again, right? I like that. I can start again. I could start again. It's okay. It's in the middle of the day. It's one o'clock for me, right? Yeah. Usually that's a, a good enough, it's a, a little bit of a consistent lull yeah. for me in my day, depending. So yeah. whether it's like between my teaching day at Humber College where I teach, right? you know, or, you know, it's just before I'm, you know, I'm, I've parked now and I, I'm about to go into sound check or whatever. Like I, I could get it done before I leave the house. Like it's just that middle part of the day for me that works. And I just repeat these things. I'm loved. My family loves me and I love them. I can start again. Right. I can be happy. I don't have to stay down if something happens. Right. I may not know all the things that I need to know, but I can start and put a few things into motion. And um, yeah, just trusting my instincts. Just a few things like that. Just reminders. I love that. Yeah. Can I do the 1 p.m. Larnell Lewis declaration? Absolutely. Can we would you write it down? Yes. Is it okay if I shared it with everyone? Yeah, Yeah. I'll give you credit. Cool. It's your declaration, but I feel like I love the it's okay to start over again Mm -hmm. right now. That's huge. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think some people, myself, whatever you get wrapped up, something happens, you're like, oh, man, today was a waste. Or, oh, today, oh. So for me, uh, I'm a very optimistic person in general, but where I fall off is my diet. Mm -hmm. Right? So I know if I start the day and I have a croissant, I'm like, today is over. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to have three donuts. Yes. I'm going to go have steak yes. frites. Yes. I'm going to have oh, a soda. Paris. We're in Paris. I had it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, so that's where I think honestly your declaration or this declaration would help me in terms of, oh, even if I cheat, whatever, you, whatever you're cheating on for me, it's food. I try to keep my diet mm-hmm. straight, but, uh, but if I, if I wean off of it, then I just throw the day away and I'm like, I might as well cheat the whole rest of the day. But I like the, Hey, it's okay. Reset. I can start over right now. I don't have to go to sleep and wake yeah. up tomorrow to have yeah. a new day. Yeah. Yeah. Just the reset. I like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with you doing that, you you feel like a very present person to me, mm-hmm. which is like the greatest compliment, right? That you can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's give like, to someone like you are like, you are here. It's you like, are yes. here. It's the simplest thing, yet the hardest thing to achieve. Mm-hmm. Right. But I feel that from you. And I wonder if this allows you to have more mental capacity because I know you're obviously known for, especially now, learning songs incredibly fast. Yes. <laughs> From whatever viral video you have. Like, first of all, uh, I think the first story I heard about was you learning the Snarky Puppy album on the flight. Yes. Which is uh, technical music. Mm-hmm. 
So you're learning that on the flight, and then most recently uh, with your performance of hearing Enter Sandman for the right. first time, and hearing it once, and then playing it uh, near perfect. Yeah. Do you chart in your head? How do you do that? Like, what is your process to be able to do that? And is it also tied to the fact that you are so present in your practice? Definitely being present is one of the most important things for learning anything. Um, there are nuances to songs that speak to me. And so if I'm aware, if I'm present, if I just let them tell me who they are and I don't come with like a preconceived idea or, or notion or you know thought process the only thing i might show up with in the thought process is an understanding of song form mm. right so usually um i love using visuals i love you know diagrams all that kind of stuff so i might build a mind map of sorts but outside of a mind map i'm usually identifying okay we played an intro okay there's a verse we got to get out of the verse to go somewhere else it's either a chorus or pre-chorus are we going to stay on the course for the rest of the song if that's it, that's the whole song. If not, probably back to the verse, right? So there's a few things. Logical thinking. Yeah, yeah, just logical thinking for all the songs that I've experienced. Um, you might have songs that are more in the jazz realm that have like your AABA form. Some that are through composed, right? So then you really got to pay attention to the way they go, which also means that when you play a section, it could just go away. You don't have to bring it back or think about it again. Um, yeah, there's just a few forms that I might hold in my mind but based on, like you mentioned, logical thinking, I can use, you know, I could just kind of deductive reasoning. Okay, probably not going to do this, probably not going to do that. And I play a couple of other instruments as well. So harmonically, something might tell me, okay, we got to go this way or we got to go that way. I kind of approach it like being a producer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is a mind map? Great question. So a mind map, I mean, some people might call it a mind palace depending, but you might store thoughts or ideas and attach them to maybe structures in your mind. So for example, if you think about, um, you mentioned the red curtains in here. So I know that I had this interview and it's gonna be coming out. So right, red curtains. I might just I, attach a thought to an item mm. in my mind. Sometimes I will have a visual chart in my mind, yeah. right? So I know what eight bars or four bars looks like. So I know that, okay, that's a bulk right there. That's like four or eight. We do that twice. Cool. It has to be now at least a quarter down the page. Got to get a chorus happening. It's a short chorus. Okay, another verse, probably half a verse. Another double chorus. We're going to do a bridge. It's probably quiet or it's probably really aggressive or we're just going to be hanging out because it's a solo, right? So I'm kind of mapping these things out on a page in my mind and then just following it. I love it. Yeah. Do you have a photographic memory also? That's a good question. I've been asked that before. I think I should get tested because I'm yeah. not quite sure if I meet the qualifications of like the standard high level, you know, photographic memory. Right. You know, because how you're mapping it out and taking a snapshot of, okay, we're this far down the page. Okay, next page, blah, 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 whatever to me that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, like it. it's definitely a form of, I'm, I'm going to say it's a form of it. Again, I haven't been tested, right. but I know that I've been on sessions. And I will look at a chart and just blink a couple times, have an imprint, and then just remember the way that the bars kind of like looked on the page. 
I think you just passed the test. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me at home. Let me know in the comments. Can I give you the certification of a You know what? Memory? I will take the jab card certification of like if I have Ladies a and gentlemen, Larnell Lewis officially has photographic memory. <laughs> Perfect. There okay. It is. Perfect. Moving on. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but those are the things that I use. How different is your charting? If you're actually charting something versus if you're just trying to do this quick memory situation. Yeah. Another great question. So, um, I'll have, you know, two different types of charts. I do yeah. one will involve chords, um, slashes for the amount of beats per bar. You know, like you might see like four slashes for a four, four bar for drummers. Usually that just means just keep playing time. Yeah. Right. But I have the chord changes as well. If I write them with numbers or write actual, um, chords, uh, for me, that's the first one. The second one is I'll just write a line and in the middle of the line, it'll look like an extended rest. It'll just have how many bars it is. Mm. And so those are the two types of charts. So the second one I do if I'm in a bind, if I have to really chart something quickly, it's just that. I have like a system where um, I notify myself of hi-hats and cross-sticks and snares and toms and yeah. all those things. And it just kind of lets me know at the beginning of the section where I need to be on the kit. How do you handle improvisation? Mm. So improvisation in those moments, I'm relying on um, the chords, the bass movement, and just really whatever gaps are left. What about pure improv? Not no structure. Oh, no structure. No yeah. Structure. Same thing. I'm listening to what's happening. Yep. Um, so my experience of like no structure improv, and it's, I mean, to say no structure might be inaccurate for this particular genre, but thinking right. about avant-garde. Right, right, right. Right. So there might be themes that somebody plays and we know, okay, if this theme comes up, we'll play something else or we'll do whatever when it comes up. But I've been in those situations where I'm just open. I'll take a suggestion. I'll morph it. Um, I've been told that at least when I was taught about avant-garde music to treat it as if we're in the forest planting our own individual plants, kind of come over, check someone else's out, walk over somewhere else. It's just that geography experience, you know, yeah. going to the forest just exploring. So that's a little bit of what it is for me for imagery as far as improv. So for something like the jam jam, cause it's going to be a mix. So, okay. So to date us today in this moment, as we're present, mm -hmm. we're in Paris, France. Tomorrow is the jam jam about to do the first jam jam here with mm -hmm. this guy and a bunch of other great people. Yes. So there will be some songs or will be some of your songs, but there's going to be a lot of just mm -hmm. go. Yes. Go with it. Um, yeah. I, I is it just listening for you? Like, is it like, cause like, for example, tomorrow I'm putting, after we're done with these interviews, I'm going to put together like a set list. <laughs> but even when I do these jam jam set lists, it'll be like, you know, start off jam. Like, mm. so that's not really a set, but <laughs> right. yeah. or it is, I guess it's just yeah. like, go with it. Mono kick it off or Sharky or you or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, you're clearly very comfortable improvising, which I feel like a lot of people that are more structured, like classical players, for example, are, need the structure uh, and then can't improvise sometimes or just don't know how or don't have the confidence or whatever, uh, whatever that is that enables that ability. But for you, you have the structure, you have the ability to do that and you have the ability to improvise. So is that just you being free and kind of cl clicking a switch in your mind of which way you're going? Or is it, or is, am I just thinking way too deep about it and you're just Larnell Lewis and this is how you play? <laughs> the, the way I would, I would identify with kind of the, how I move through a jam session or just playing improv. Yeah. To me, it's still songwriting. Yeah. 
right? So we're kind of building the bricks as we mm. move along. You know, we we didn't start with an exact blueprint, but as soon as the first brick is laid, we got to make a decision. Do we put one to the left, to the right, on top, in front, behind, beside, like, you know, standing up? Like, once that happens, okay, now we have something. We can replicate it and create a pattern. Yeah. We could do something completely different. We can put a different brick in there. Like, it's it's just making decisions as we go along. So as people make decisions, I might react and make another decision. I might follow them and do what they're doing. I might say, y'all got that by yourselves. I'm going to stay over here. <laughs> right? Just whatever it is. Yeah. And 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 I ride the wave based on the way it feels, based on the what I feel to be the collective thought, and just move, really. I love that. I love how your mind thinks. Mm-hmm. It's all very logical. Yeah. It <laughs> all makes sense. I like it. It is freedom, though. I yeah. mean, for, for me, it's freedom because yeah. it's, it's, about, it's about trust. Yeah. And not only trusting the people around me, but trusting my mind and my instincts, what I'm hearing, and then just following the first thing, not judging yeah. it right away. Just that was the instinct. Okay, I'm going to shape it. Uh, I first discovered you from you drumming with Snarky Puppy. Mm. Picked up a Grammy with Snarky Puppy. Really tight. Thanks. How did you get the gig with Snarky Puppy? Okay, so um, we're talking about learning songs very quickly. So there's a venue. I don't know if you've been to Toronto much. Yeah, yeah. okay. So the venue downtown Toronto called The Rex. Yep. Okay, so Snarky had a gig there, and um, I also played with an amazing bassist named Rich Brown. Okay. Um, we have a duo together. He plays in my band. I play in two of his projects. And the project at the time was called Rinse the Algorithm. And so Rinse, we had a show like once, like the last Saturday of every month. That just happened to be when Snarky was showing up. So Snarky did the 930 and then we did the after midnight. Oh, okay. Right? So they were there. It was two nights they did. Showed up. When they were done, we invited the band up after our set to just play Teen Town. Right? Jam it out. Had a good time. I went back to the show next day just to chill and meet Sput. Short story, I just completely fanned out on Sput because <laughs> for me, growing up on God's property, growing up on like so many of these records, you know, yeah. Tony Out the Box, Kim Burrell Live in Concert, um, you know, and a, a bunch of other records as well. Finally getting a chance to meet Sput and talk to him in real time. Oh, yeah. And just say, you have no... You have no idea how much of an impact you made on my life. And and to see him in person was just incredible. And so, you know, he's really gracious, allowed me to use whatever of his drum kit. Yeah. And so I saw them the next day. They said, hey, you want to sit in? I was like, sure. Do you know any of our songs? Not really to, like, play it. Okay, we'll teach you one. So Mike, over the span of about a minute, explained the form of intelligent design. And it went kind of something like this. He's like, okay, there's an intro. The bass is playing these upbeats, you know, with chords. Um, it's like a drum and bass thing. We go to like a Brazilian type slow thing in the bridge or chorus section. We pivot between the two of those. A couple of solos. We'll hand it over to you for the drum solo, right? Yeah. Start soft. Explode. You can bring it back down because we're going to go right back to the head again really quietly. Um, eventually, we'll go back to that Brazilian feel thing. Then we're going to be really soft. Go back to the main theme ride that out and then just like cut it off and allow the bass just to fade out with that particular upbeat pattern. He's like, you got it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll call you up. 
And so a couple and songs. And this is for you to sit on Sput's kit, not mm-hmm. double drums. No, no, no. You sitting in on Sput's kit. Me by myself. Got it. Right? So the keys for that were, one, retaining that information. Right. Two, um, looking at people in the eye. Yeah. Right? Being in the moment yeah. and watching the cues, seeing, okay, they're kind of motioning, something's about to happen. Um, and then other, you know, physical cues, like, okay, this they're, like, relaxed. Okay, we got to, you know, pull it back a little bit or just... And that was the biggest thing Sput told me after the fact. He said, you know, just the way that you follow the cues, the way you're looking at body language, the way your eyes up and just seeing what's happening and scanning the stage, that is a big part of your success with Amazing. this band. So, yeah. And then? Then they would just come back to town. I would come and hang. You know, they would throw a couple songs at me on stage. And so I'd go back and learn, the, you know, the records just in case they called something I didn't really know that well. And then Sput needed a sub in Toronto. There it is. Yeah. And yeah. that happened maybe about a year later. And in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Coincidental. Totally worked out, right? Yeah. Um, what was cool about that was I think I had to learn maybe like 22 songs in about five days. So I did a list. Snarky puppy songs. Right. At that. <laughs> so I actually put yeah. myself on a listening schedule. So I did of the first four days, three days, I did five songs each day. And then the last day I did seven. And then on the fifth day. I did a test. So I had to look at the set list. You're such an academic. I oh know. My God, that's so I amazing, looked dude. I looked at the I looked at the list of songs. I had to be able to sing the intros, outros, melodies, bass lines, chord riffs, and any special shots just by looking at the name on the song on the list. And the rehearsal was me doing exactly that, sitting wow. with Michael. Yeah. You know, we didn't actually rehearse. We just sat and he's like, Okay, this tune, this tune, this tune. And I also cross referenced with live footage that people were posting on youtube right so between the youtube you did your homework oh man that's but that's the biggest thing for me right like it's it's we're talking about bandwidth yeah and being in the moment bandwidth to me means like can i handle you know how much can i handle and i think if i'm doing that much homework consistently i can continue to handle that kind of information yeah because your mind is strong you're moving with it yeah it's amazing. <laughs> That's so so then you did it. You did that show and Michael was like, we're talking about Michael League, who is yeah. the founder of Snarky Puppy. Michael was like, do more shows with us? Or did Sput need like how when did it become like your gig? Yeah. So basically I did maybe two more concerts with them. I think there was like something in Montreal was the first out of Toronto thing I did. Then we came back to Toronto for something else. And they said, Okay, we're gonna book you for i think it was like 2013 october mm-hmm. right october 31st yeah in uh lausanne switzerland right nice. that was the first tour date nice however what happened was and i wasn't like a member of the band i was just kind of subbing in because like you know the fam the core crew is like 20 some odd but the family's like 40 right right so they i get a call hey can you fly out like now to Europe, we got a recording, and that was "We Like It Here." That's how it happened. So once I did the recording session, Mike was like, "You're in the family." Yeah, yeah. I don't care what you say. You're in the family. I was like, "Okay, cool. This is, I'm, I'm down with the, being in the family. I like the family. The family. Yeah, the family. <laughs> family. I like the family. It's cool." So, um, you know, and then the <laughs> relationship just continued to grow from there. That's so cool. Yeah. 
and you did that same thing on the flight. You learned those songs. Mm-hmm. What were you learning? Because there wasn't drums on it, right? Or were yeah. there demo program drums? Or was yeah. it like so? It's like it's demo demo stuff. Um, there was demo stuff. There was them actually playing in real time, depending on what it was. Um, but I was just learning bass lines, chords, melodies. You Very know, cool. and then they had, you know, specific things like when I got in, Mike said, okay, this one is more metallic. Yeah. So think symbols, think, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. This one is more this, this one's more that. And just kind of had to attach any thoughts that I had or groups that I had. And we did a four hour rehearsal before actually hitting. Wow. Yeah. It was Which a long like, day. Yeah. It's a long day, but at the same time, a four hour rehearsal in order to do a tracking session with snarky puppy is not that long a single f- half day of yeah rehearsing yeah and i got stuck at the airport i couldn't oh. find my driver that oh we had God. so and when i landed there was another song in my inbox which was the sleeper <laughs> and you had this one yeah, yeah exactly that's amazing yeah okay so you're an academic mm. uh, how do you balance being an academic versus touring musician there's a lot of conversation that's going on. Yeah. Constant conversation. Hey, there are these things, looking in advance, booking this stuff. Um, there are online sessions that are happening. Yeah. Right? So I'm meeting with students still, you know, even today. Right? Really? I have a few, yeah, I got a few meetings with students and I got to make sure because they have their projects. Yeah. You know, they have their recording projects. They have their final recital performances. Um, there's a lot of admin stuff. People are auditioning, so I'm checking out auditions. And so to keep it rolling, I'm still moving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have students that are fans of yours? <laughs> you must. They definitely. must have made, new class comes in and they're like, you're my teacher. I've definitely, you know, for, for some of the in-person auditions that I've done, I've had people who didn't know I was at the school at the time just yeah. see me walk out the door. Okay, everybody inside, we're going to have a conversation. Like, you're here <laughs> oh no <laughs> and then they see your wonderful loving energy and they feel more comfortable hopefully sometimes, sometimes. yeah sometimes yeah sometimes or they're it's still just... just like oh i've seen too many videos yeah i've listened to too much <laughs> it's like i've seen i've seen too much i can't handle it um it depends right for some people you know they they can find their footing and some people it's just a little challenging but i try to make it as comfortable um and just remind them that they prepared something to show me. Yeah. Yeah. What do you find rewarding being an academic versus as a touring musician? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I think just what being an academic allows me to do or affords me, at least in that space, is to hear from students more often, consistently. Yeah. And seeing them grow over time, over the four years of the bachelor degree that we have, getting a chance to get a sense of who they are, seeing them, you know, figure things out. Some people decide, ah, I don't want to be a drummer, I want to be a chef. Like, okay, great. You know, like just the discovery. I think as a touring musician, I still get to meet people, but that is more, a little more fulfilling for me because mm. I get to just play and execute, you know. Yeah. If I'm in the classroom, I'm playing, but we're discussing a lot of things. If I'm on tour, let's say Snarky Puppy, yeah, I'm just hitting yeah. Like we're just we're just going. And the conversations are with, you know, my contemporaries. It's like everyone in the band, the family, we're talking about stuff. Everyone has something going on, life, music, whatever. We're learning together. But yeah, it's just it's a different environment, but I, I usually choose to still apply myself in the same way. Right. What's next for you musically? 
New record. New record. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. How far along? So we got uh, one third of bed tracks done. Nice. Which is amazing. Um, got my band in the studio working on some collaborative things as well. And still some decisions, but I'm just throwing everything I can in the cracks of time that I have between changing diapers, grading exams, <laughs> and like touring. So, how do you balance all that? Being a dad, family, everything. I get a lot of help. Yeah, I look. I get a lot of help. I have yeah. a team. Yeah. You know, shout out to the K Group Inc. team. Um, my wife and I built this, built our company, and just have assistants and you know, sometimes some interns and family members and just whoever. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We need the help. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Have, so how do you, yeah. How do, how does it work in working with your wife? Yeah, it's great, you know, but it's also challenging. Yeah. It's yeah. challenging for a couple of reasons. So one is when I want to have a conversation with my wife as my wife versus as a business partner, that means boundaries, yeah. right? That means we have to be communicating and saying, this is a conversation for, you know, the Lewises. This is a conversation for the company. And just mm-hmm. making sure that we leave time to service each of those zones, right? Yeah. We can't do all lovey-dovey and no work. Right. And we can't do all work and no lovey-dovey. Right. Right? So just to make sure that yeah. we discuss that and and we're filling the cups appropriately yeah. is really the key for us. That's got to be hard. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it's 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 a lot of conversation because again, not only as a couple, we're, we're parents, right, 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 and we're parents, two kids, a five year old, three year old. A five year old has a lot of challenges because yeah. he's um, born with Down syndrome mm. and has a host of like medical challenges as well. Has nursing yeah. every night. Wow, right? Has a trach, G two, oh. like the whole thing. Yeah, and so you know we're constantly organizing, constantly. You know that like our nursing team is about five or six people wow. that do daytime and nighttime, wow. you know? And then we have caregivers in the day to do like kind of school readiness program stuff with our son. Yes. Yes. You know? So yeah. So it's like, it's just, it's just organizing it and, and being as efficient, which again, to circle back a little bit, being present and in the moment means that I can hear, see, feel, address what's happening. I'm yes. not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live too far ahead yeah. except if I'm making a plan. But yeah. if I, if I'm focused on what's happening right now, I can make the best decision now and then allow things to move forward, you know? How do you handle difficulties? Mm, that's an even better question. <laughs> so when you say difficulties. Life, life difficulties. Life, yeah. Music is second. Like it's like how do you handle all the life difficulties, when the curveballs that hit you, mm-hmm. whether it's your kids, whether it's your wife, whether it's the business, whether yeah. it's all these things that come up you know there's so many so many things happen just in being a touring musician and you being in paris and operating this company Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and being responsible for bringing in enough income to support your family and everything Mm -hmm. then on top of that you got your job as an academic then on top of that you got your job as a husband Mm -hmm. job as a father difficulties yeah i can start again i can start again i can start again that's it because you just like just like Pro Tools, it's not if, it's when it's going to crash, right? Yeah. <laughs> like computers, right? <laughs> Knowing so, <laughs> that and being okay with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be okay with it, but you do have to know that. A- accepting of the fact that it is going to happen and you can choose how to react to it. Yeah, you will either have a copy of another DAW, you will either have another computer. Like it's just making these backups, these plans and talking to people. Mm. 
what do you do? So like you asked me what happens for me. So there's therapy. Yeah. There's coaching. Yeah. Right. There are mentors. There are peer mentors. There's family. There are, at least for me, like pastors. There are people I can yeah. just talk to, you know, and there's accepting that it's okay to just have a moment to just break down. Yeah. If it's really crappy. Yeah. Just it's crappy. Yeah. That's it. We are in the moment and the moment is crappy. Do you break down alone or break down with your wife or? Both. Both. Yeah. yeah. Rarely alone. Yeah. Rarely alone. And that's only because I probably have to figure out what's next. Yeah. But I will stop and just be like, this is not cool. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I can start again. I can be happy. I know some of what I need to do. I just have to set it in motion and just allow things to happen or figure out the rest. Just let it hit me, move on to the next. How much of your success in life do you attribute to your happiness mentality? Mm, a lot, a lot. Because, must, yeah. yeah, because it's, it's decision-making, right? Yeah. My brother, you know, who, who you know, Ricky yeah. Lewis, yeah. he'll Love say, Ricky. you know, he'll say, um, it's either, what, what would he say? He'd say, uh, something happens, he's like, it's either good or it's either bad. I don't know, but we can figure it out, right? I'm yeah. not going to let it be defined as something. Like, we can figure it out still. Yeah. There's still a moment of maybe we can salvage it. Yeah. If we can't, we'll just move on to the next step. Yeah. Speaking of, of your brother, Ricky, mm -hmm. you guys both have become incredible professional drummers, but in very different paths yes. of what that could be as a uh, drummer entrepreneur. Um what do you think of his path, though? So uh, Larnell's brother is the drummer for the weekend, has been for this whole time. Yes, the whole journey yes. of it. Yes, yes. So yeah, is that were you guys always different as drummers, like pre weekend, pre Snarky Puppy? You two just as drummer brothers. As were you guys different in your mentalities of drumming? Were these paths clear for you to end up him in the him in the in the in like more of the pop mainstream world? You in the in the in the jazz. Uh, progressive academia world like is was that like oh yeah that was gonna happen or is it just kind of were you both just drumming and they just went on these different paths and then just kept going yeah well I mean as people like very different right yeah. but at the same time a little bit the same you know yeah. when I was dealing with like wrist issues he yeah. was helping me set up my drums you know when I got out of like a five or six week stint of nothing yeah right um but I like to say that he was, because music goes back to our great-grandfather. Yeah. Oh. And our family's from the Caribbean, so St. Kitts specifically. Where um, specifically? St. Kitts. St. Kitts. Yeah, in the Northeast Caribbean. Nice. And so, you know, music being generational for us and then kind of making its way to us, my dad was a musical director at the church, right, until he became a pastor at the church that he was at for maybe about seven years. And so growing up, I'd be the drummer. I was playing, you know, my first show as a, my first gig I did, I was seven years old. Quick story, kind of like to go backtrack <laughs> on that because yeah, some yeah. people are like, what? <laughs> uh, my dad was playing in a band. They had a TV hit with this gospel artist and the drummer last minute said, they can't make it. So they said, okay, well, where are we going to find a drummer? And my brother and I were playing, you know, with our toys hanging out. And my dad's like, my son can play drums. That kid? You know, yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Larnell, do you know the songs? Do you want to play? 
just like that. Yeah. You know? And I say just like that, but again, for me, understanding music is this way has been something I've been doing since I was younger. Right, right. So now, fast forward, I'm looking at my brother. He can kind of mess around on the drums. He's doing stuff, but he's just into drawing, you know, sing, basketball, cars, just like, just life. Yeah. Then one day, I just hear him on the kit, and I'm like, you can do that? He's like, yeah. You know, show me something. So I was like, okay, try this. And he did it. I was like, okay. So he was just like a quick study immediately getting in there and um as far as the music that he plays now i felt like you know from the church to like kind of the r&b to the rock to whatever it is that that's just been his path yeah you know for me it was a little bit of the jazz thing yeah building that relationship with it going to college we both went to the same college humber college specifically yeah so yeah it's you know it, it was pretty clear early on yeah but he just started a little bit later yeah, maybe a lot of bit later than I did, but just skyrocketed. I mean, like I would be spending hours working on left foot clave, playing like you know this this pattern called the GMS pattern on a bass, <laughs> and like trying to solo because I was trying to work on it for my final recital at the school, <laughs> you know. And I'm doing all this stuff, and then you know I go upstairs, and then all of a sudden I just hear him just playing it, just. You're just like, wow, dude. Yeah, you jerk. You learn from <laughs> listening to you. It's just like, all right, I digest. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. And execute. It's yeah. like, it's the craziest thing to see. That's so cool. Yeah. Tell him I said hi. I haven't seen him in a minute. I will. We always say what up on, on the gram. On the gram. <laughs> Where life happens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have, uh, I, I love ChatGPT. Okay. Uh, and I asked ChatGPT a question to ask you. Okay. It had a question. What do you think is the relationship between music and emotion and how can musicians use their craft to evoke specific feelings or moods in their listeners? Mm. That came from AI. Okay, AI. So if I were to rephrase the question. Make it more human of a question. Yeah. <laughs> how do you emote through music? Is that what it's asking? Sounds right. Okay, cool. Um, from my perspective, emoting through music starts with intention right i talk about intention so an action comes along with an intention so if i were to shake someone's hand like uh they gave me a hundred bucks i would probably shake their hand with a certain energy right um frequency of shaking you know thanks you know thinking about man i really could use that hundred bucks um you know if i'm shaking the hand of somebody who just gave me a car let's say it's mr beast right like i'm probably you know really excited or shaking the hand of somebody who you know, I'm I'm trying not to set off alarms, but I know that they're the one that took my laptop before I take them out on the corner and like, you know, whatever it is, right? So it's it just there there are different um attributes for an action that are connected to emotional content, so to speak. Yeah. I think when we think about music, um, we feel things and some of it is based on what we've seen in movies or what we understand culturally, right? Yeah. Because even though music is a language, not every culture uses the exact same template to express themselves, right? But we do have songs to allow us to what I call sing our soul, to express how happy we are, express mm -hmm. that we're grateful for the sun, to express when we're missing a loved one, to express when we have to say a final goodbye to a loved one, Yeah, you know? And so to emote through music, I think, first of all, is understanding that we feel things in life and sounds to me can also help to 
soothe but also express you know like medicine in or reflecting out mm. yeah. i love that yeah way better than the ai <laughs> see the the human emotion that you hold mm-hmm. you have you have such a special energy Larna. cool i'm sure you hear this a lot but <laughs> you have a very very special you are very blessed as a person thank you yes dude well, man, thanks for coming to Paris. Oh, me. yeah. I'm My so pleasure. excited to have you play at the Jam Jam. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you mind if I also drum on your kit tomorrow? Please. Let's go. Yeah, please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I can't do, we're not doing left foot clave. There's, I look, there's no clave pedal. We're going to leave that where where yeah. we can. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I think as much music as we can play tomorrow, you know, and just get into and feel the vibe. I'm just happy to be here. Amazing, bro. Well, happy to have you. Thank you, my guy. Of course. Thank you. Ronnell Lewis. Wait, 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 wait.